From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, supplementary IOLs, putting them in and taking them out at APA CRS 2016. The error will be hyperopic. This is the error we are facing in these calculations. First this. Imagine a library of 100,000 books in subjects that interest you and subjects that don't. The books of this library are arranged bizarrely by publisher and date of publication. How useful would such a library be to you? How soon would you give up on trying to find a book that really interested you? ASCRS's impressive online content has been a little like that library until now. The new ASCRS Center for Learning at ASCRS.org learn organizes the vast and growing ASCRS online content, podcasts, and CME offerings into a unified, searchable whole so that we can find the material we want in the format that best suits us. Go to ASCRS.org and click on Center for Learning or go directly to ASCRS.org slash learn. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the 2016 annual meeting of the Asia-Pacific Association of Cataract and Refractive Surgeons in Bali, Indonesia. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today we hear from Jaime Aramberry on IOL calculations for patients with phacic IOLs and Tun Kwan Yo on piggyback IOL calculation. I'm here with Jaime Aramberry. Jaime, you gave a, a, a wonderful talk, a very complex situation, optically complex situation, which is the case of a patient with an existing phacic IOL who's developed a, a, a cataract, now needs cataract surgery. Perhaps we don't have... Um, available to us the uh, data for the patient's eye before the phacic lens was put in, and now we're stuck with having to calculate the appropriate intraocular lens power. This is a very complex situation. Let me ask you what the appropriate approach is to it. All right, so even if we had the, those data, maybe they have changed because the axial length could change through the years. So the fact is that now we've had an eye with a phacic IOL, and we need to get the proper axial length measurement. We know that with ultrasound, there were some errors depending on the material of that phagic IOL. We have known for many years, since the work of Ken Hoffer in 2003, that the silicon lenses make the eye longer, and this leads you to underestimating the IOL power and final hyperopia. While all the other materials, they make the eye shorter, it's just the opposite uh, error. So this leads you to a too powerful lens and to some myopia. With the optic biometry, and this is the way we are doing the calculations right now, all materials have an index of refraction higher than the reference. And this is why all of them, they make the eye longer, just as the silicon did with the ultrasound measurements. So the error will be hyperopic. This is the error we are facing in these calculations. But is it important? The thing is that with optical biometry, this error is very, very low. 
as low as 0.01 millimeter to 0.02 millimeter for myopic phakic IOLs, where the thickness of that IOL in the center is very, very low. So I would say that in myopia, in, with myopic phakic IOLs, we can neglect uh, that correction factor and we can just take the measurement, accept it, and do the calculation in the regular way. In hyperopic lenses, the fact is that the IOL is thicker, the phakic IOL is thicker, and this increases the level of error. And now we can commit errors up to 0 0.5, 0 0.6 diopter. And this is an error whenever you're dealing with an eye that maybe could require a multifocal lens. So now we need a correction factor that can be very easily calculated. But if you don't know how to calculate that, it is normally as simple as to just add half a diopter more in the IO plane, and that will fix it. And that is, I'd, I'd imagine though that the error would vary by the power of the of the phakic lens. That's perfect. That's it. It 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 varies as a function of the power. For low hyperopic lenses, uh, normally the error will be around uh, 0.02, 0.03 millimeters. For thicker lenses, it will go up to 0.04, 0.05. But normally, when we uh, implant phakic IOLs in hyperops. It's normally above plus three, plus four diopters. So they tend to be, clinically, they tend to be thick lenses. And if you don't know the thickness, you can take any of the many uh, toys we've got in our consoles. I'm talking about chain flux, I'm talking about OCTs. Make the measurement, measure the thickness of, of the IOL within the eye, and then you can go to the tables and convert to the correction factor. So even if we don't know what refraction was operated many years ago, we can take an OCT or a chain flux device and measure that thickness and that will give us the clue of how far sh should we go with the, uh, with the correction factor. Jaime, maybe you can make the leap from knowing what the thickness is to knowing what the, the, the conversion factor is. But once I, I have the thickness, and certainly I have the equipment in my office in order to measure it, what do I do with that piece of data? Where are the calculators that I can use to achieve the result that I need to? Well, at this moment there are no calculators, uh, but there are some work published, and you can easily uh, reach that value that converts the measured axial length to the actual axial length to be used in your regular formula. Uh, I guess, my guess is that in the very near future, the new optical biometers will allow the user to place gates in the anterior surface of the phakic IOL, the posterior surface of the phakic IOL, adjust an index of refraction, and so do a perfect measurement yeah. without any kind of fudge factors. And my guess that that's something coming soon. But you're right, I mean, it's, it's unlikely that any hyperopic patient is going to have had implanted a very low power lens. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting stuff, a really, really interesting stuff, super valuable. And, you know, many of the patients who've had these phakic lenses put in are still fairly young. We're going to be seeing more and more of them yeah, getting well, cataracts coming remember, forward. Remember that, as far as I know, uh, they've been implanted in the world around six hundred thousand ICLs, only ICLs. 
and I don't know how many artisans and artifacts and those many uh, anterior chamber lenses, etc. So we might be soon reaching around one million fake cayos implanted in the world, and we can guess the next 10, 15 years, 20 years, the, many of them will undergo cataract surgery. Yeah, this is really, really cool stuff, and of course it's practical too, but it's also cool. I, mean, I want to thank you very much for, for, for bringing this, this topic to us, for being so generous with your time with us today. Muchas gracias. De nada. Thank you very much. I'm here with Tun Kwan Yo. Tun Kwan, you gave a, a wonderful talk on uh, a very complex topic, which is uh, calculating the appropriate power for a, a piggyback lens. And you uh, evaluated head-to-head -head several formulae uh, to try to see what is best. Let me get you to sort of flesh out the, the, the topic. First of all, why it is that it's challenging, and then what the different formulas were and what you found. Well, uh, piggyback eye wells were mainly used for hyperopic eyes, extremely hyperopic short eyes uh, in the past because we didn't have the IR powers, right? Um, but nowadays with the better formulae, better machines, uh, I think we actually looked at patients shifting towards more abnormal corneal anatomy patients, uh, patients with uh, previous LASIK, keratoconus, and uh, RK. So these are the patients that tend to be more suitable for piggyback IOLs because they can't use, uh, they can't do LASIK uh, corrective surgery. Uh, so that's what that was what we wanted to do and uh, want to see which formula did the best. We actually compared uh, Professor Barrett's uh, RX formula uh, compared to the more commonly used methods like the Virgin's formula, how they are, uh, rule of thumb method, uh, and the uh, and also the online calculator, Rayner ray trace calculator, and. Uh, what we found was uh, the RX seems to have a lowest uh, mean absolute error and standard deviation compared to the others, but what was surprising was that the rule of thumb method actually did pretty well, even though it's just a, just a ratio method. Uh, yeah, tell me, what, what is the uh, rule of thumb method? Uh, so the rule of thumb method is uh, you correct the uh, uh, hyperopic uh, error within, uh, in one-to-one uh, -one, uh, ratio and the myopic error in one-to-one -one profile ratio. So it's, uh, I'm sorry, it's the other way around. But uh, which is uh, quite uh, which is quite rudimentary. It's quite uh, quite a primitive method, but it seems to do very well compared to all the complex formulas out there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So what we thought was it maybe because all the patients that we had, the majority of them had abnormal corneal anatomy. Uh, so uh, these uh, abnormal corneal anatomy may be the source of the errors in the first place. That's why they had these uh, re residual refractive errors. So uh, since the rule of thumb method that doesn't rely on uh, any biomet biometric values, so um, it seems that the rule of thumb, since it ignores all these, um, makes a better choice in uh, the lens selection. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, the, the, the Barrett RX formula, first of all, uh, it's available uh, on the APACRS uh, uh, website yep. uh, under formulae. It's all free. Uh, thanks to Dr. Barrett, um, that's uh, a a formula that that we've also used for things like uh, determining what the appropriate lens power should be for lens exchange and what the uh, rotation should be to correct for astigmatism uh, after a, a mis misalignment of a of a, a toric lens. Yes, that's right. So the RX formula is not just a piggyback eyewell formula. It's actually a tool. It's a post-surgery tool. So to correct for any residual refractive errors. 
Um, it does do IOL ex calculate predicts for IOL exchange. It predicts for piggyback IOL. It, like you said, it does uh, predict for axis rotation when you have a misaligned uh, toric lens. Uh, what is uh, special about the RX formula? If you look closely, there are two options on the RX formula. There is a ELP option and an IOL option. So you must be careful when you uh, use the RX formula. Uh, if you think it's an ELP error, do you choose the ELP option? And if you think it's a completely wrong IOL uh, place, then, then you have to choose the IOL option. Otherwise, the calculations will be very different. Well, sir, so this is, was, was a wonderful talk. Uh, very, very practical. Fortunately, something uh, in the U.S., especially in the East Coast, it doesn't come up that, that mm. often, but that, that, in essence, makes it more challenging when it does come up. I want to thank you very much for you know for 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 doing this study for bringing these data to us for being so very generous with your time with us today. Thank you. Jaime Aramberry comes to us from the Behitech Ophthalmology Clinic in San Sebastian, Spain. Tun Quan Yo is a consultant at the National Healthcare Group Eye Institute at the Tan Tok Seng Hospital in Singapore. Ask questions of Dr. Aaron Berry, Dr. Yeo, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.